In the Know is brought to you by the physicians and staff of Nebraska Cancer Specialists. We are grateful for their time and support on this project. Nebraska Cancer Specialists is the largest community oncology practice in the region and the regional leader in cancer diagnosis, treatment, and research. Their physicians are some of the most experienced and highly qualified in the area. Nebraska Cancer Specialists provide considerate, state-of-the-art care for their patients at their five Metro Omaha locations. You didn't choose your diagnosis, but you can choose your care. Experience you can trust. Compassion you can feel. Nebraska Cancer Specialists. NebraskaCancer.com Welcome to In the Know with NCS. I'm Kelly Horn, and today's topic is prostate cancer, a topic everyone at some point in their life is affected by, whether it be themselves, friend, family member, maybe a neighbor or coworker. And it's an important topic as we're recording this in September. It's Prostate Cancer Awareness Month as well. So the stats are one in nine men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer during his lifetime. And about six cases in 10 are diagnosed in men who are 65 or older. So it's affecting many of the population. We're here today with Dr. Ralph Halke. Dr. Halke is a medical oncologist with Nebraska Cancer Specialists. And he's here today talking to us about what we need to know about prostate cancer. Welcome, Dr. Halke. Thank you. Glad to be here. We hear when caught early, prostate cancer is very treatable cancer, but then we hear about those who have it not so great. That's correct. There's a wide spectrum of prostate cancer presentations, and some patients have will have a disease that is, I guess if you want to call it, better behaving than others and can be watched, but unfortunately there's others whose disease is very aggressive and will ultimately cause them problems and perhaps even affect their survival. So there's so much out there on cancer, the wonderful internet and information people say or think they've heard. What is it that we really need to know about prostate cancer today? Well, there's a few things. We're still trying to discover exactly the cause. We know that aging is a factor. Um, There's also uh, some external environmental things that have been identified. Uh, Diet may play a role. But we're not still 100% certain. Uh, There's hereditary factors as well. Uh, Clearly, the older you are, the more likely you are to get prostate cancer. What we also know is that if you can catch it early, uh, it's more treatable and and curable. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are making some headways in advanced disease, uh, but that becomes a problematic part if it does spread to other parts. It's controllable for a few years, but but eventually gets out of control. So we've made some inroads in the genetics and we're trying to find new treatments for folks with advanced disease. But ideally, if you can find it at an earlier stage and catch it when it's curable, that's the ideal scenario. So what if someone is asking, why did I get this? Do you think patients have a good understanding of their cancer or do you feel like you have to explain it to them? What do you tell a patient when they come see you for the first time? Well, I usually tell them, that, uh, you know, I try to identify if there's any risk factors for them, like if they had family members, perhaps. Um, uh, that, that's probably the one thing that's the most common is to find first-degree family members that have been afflicted by it. Other than that, a big one that I still ask for is if uh, men have been in military service exposed to Agent Orange during Vietnam. That's also a well-known risk factor. But beyond that, it's, like I said earlier, we really don't have a a perfect idea of exactly what causes it. Um, and so it's, it's hard to tell people why they got it and why someone else didn't didn't get it. 
What I do try to explain to them, though, is that it's, um, it's important for people to be informed about their cancer, to know what their options are, to have a good understanding uh, of what the biology of their particular disease is. And then you'd really try to make a good decision in terms of the management based on what their goals their goals are personal and sure. and what the uh, disease uh, potentially could be predicted to behave as. So you mentioned a little bit about this. I just wanted to elaborate on, is prostate cancer hereditary? And sh- should someone seek out genetic testing for their families if diagnosed? So it can be. Most, gen- most prostate cancers are not hereditary. They're what we call sporadic. But the things that would clue you in are somebody who has prostate cancer at a very early age. If they have prostate cancer, perhaps, you know, in their 40s and 50s. Um, If they have multiple family members that are first-degree relatives, father, brothers that have it. Um, There's also familial syndromes where on the female side, you can have breast cancer and ovarian cancer. So if you see family members that have, uh, you know, female relatives that have had breast cancer and or ovarian cancer, those are individuals that probably should have their family evaluated uh, for that. Uh, naturally, there can be other cancer syndromes that are not sp- as specific for prostate and, say, breast. Um, and, but that would be something we're looking at their family history. If you see a lot of family members with other types of diseases, it's always prudent to get a genetic evaluation. But the vast majority of the patients, it's sporadic. They, they get it older in age, and there's not a lot of family history, and there's probably no benefit to sure. necessarily doing a familial workup for that. Some of us know the importance of preventative screenings, and especially as it pertains to prostate cancer exams. Would you mind elaborating on when a person should begin preventative screenings and what a screening all entails for an individual? So the recommendation currently is uh, starting at age 50, and it, uh, that's for the person with average risk. Uh, the screening would entail doing a, a, a PSA level, which is a blood test, and then also should include a digital rectal examination uh, that examines the prostate. Uh, that's actually very important because a lot of people like to do just a blood test and not the digital rectal examination. By digital, it's not like electronic. It's actually when it's, it's a physical exam <laughs> um, because there's the, the sensitivity of the, of the blood test by itself is not um, all that great. If you combine the two together, it improves the odds that you will exclude the cancer or perhaps find it. So an example, you can have a blood test, a PSA level that's normal, but if the digital rectal examination is abnormal, regardless of what the PSA is, that person should be biopsied. Um, so, so those two things go hand in hand. The, there are a group of patients, uh, African-Americans are at the highest risk of developing prostate cancer in the world. Uh, so they definitely need to start at 50, but um, a, a lot of guidelines are recommending they start earlier, maybe around 45. The other group that should start earlier would be the folks who do have a family member that was diagnosed with prostate cancer, first degree. They probably should at least start maybe around 45 or in some cases 40 to get an initial screening. Um, so if you're a little bit higher risk because of family history or being African-American, you probably should start a little earlier, like around 45 for sure. Let's talk about staging. When someone has been told you have cancer, it seems like most of the time the next step would be to identify what type of cancer it is and what stage it is. 
Could you talk about the staging for prostate cancer and what that means for treatment and prognosis? Sure. So the staging for prostate cancer, well, for all cancers, include a measure of what the primary tumor extent is, uh, any lymph nodes that, that are around the organ, um, and then if there's metastasis, meaning has it spread somewhere else. And that combination will give you the final stage. And for prostate cancer, uh, when, when people get a biopsy that documents the cancer out of the prostate, we look to see how many areas in the prostate are involved if both sides of the prostate. The prostate has two lobes if both sides are involved. But we also do uh, imaging studies. So we do uh, bone scan and CAT scans of the abdomen and pelvis. Uh, however, that also depends on on what the likelihood is of that person having uh, a risk of the cancer spreading. And we look at things like the PSA, what's called the Gleason score on the biopsy, and what the the, the rectal examination shows. And those three things uh, can put folks in anywhere from a very low risk category to a very high risk category. And depending where that is, if they're in a very low low risk category, the likelihood that the scans are going to show anything is so low that the guidelines recommend not even necessarily getting them. But if people are in intermediate or higher risk, then usually you get some type of imaging. Now, increasingly, we're using MRIs, um, and we're actually using MRIs even before we do biopsies when people are suspected of having cancer um, because that can help determine a little bit more specifically whether the cancer has spread locally beyond the prostate. Um, and so that's emerging as a also a very important part. So those are the things that traditionally have been done the most. Um, and now more recently, we have a special type of PET scans that are done. In the U.S., they still haven't been approved to be done at the time of diagnosis. Um, but in Europe, they're widely used already. Uh, and they are more sensitive than, than a bone scan or a CAT scan at picking up more microscopic disease, if you will. Uh, so that'll be something that'll be coming down the road in the future. Should I get a second opinion? I'm sure you've been asked this before. What do you tell patients? Well, I think second opinions are, are never uh, wrong. Um, if somebody, uh, particularly folks who may have uh, uncertainty about what they want to do. Where I see, uh, I guess it wouldn't be so much a second opinion as much as opinion from other specialties because this is a disease that involves uh, a surgeon. It can also involve a radiation doctor. Uh, and in some cases, uh, we also include medical oncologists because if you're high risk, you're going to be looking at what we call multimodality therapy, hormones, chemo, in addition to surgery and or radiation. And so, uh, so I think for the individuals who have disease that is potentially curable and they have pretty much surgical or radiation options available to them for cure, I think it's important for them to get opinions from both a surgeon as well as from a radiation doctor. Oftentimes, I see them because they want a tiebreaker. They want the guy who's not doing either of those two things and say, which, which does he want to do? So I think in that setting, it's important for them to at least get an opinion from, from each of the different specialties to kind of get the input of that specialty. Uh, now, if there's, um, uh, for instance, uh, you have a surgeon and, and obviously in, in, in every specialty, the, there's different levels of experience. And so if you have concerns about uh, maybe the quality of a surgeon or the quality of the radiation doctor or the, the knowledge of a medical oncologist, it's always okay to get a second opinion. You may oftentimes find that there's really no difference in what they recommend and that at least is gratifying. Mm -hmm. And um, kind of puts your mind at ease. Exactly. 
What are some exciting things coming down the pipeline in terms of treatment or research? Is there anything you're excited about or looking forward to as it pertains to the treatment of prostate cancer? Oh, absolutely. There's, there's, I would say, three main things that I would summarize. One is further exploration as to the genetics of the cancer as we, we have um, better technology to do biopsies and identify genetic changes that oftentimes the cancers acquire over time. So people who are treated um, and then the opportunity that we may have drugs directed at those acquired genetic mutations. Uh, the other is, uh, I mentioned earlier, the imaging. Um, that imaging uh, not only can make it more hopefully sensitive at picking up the disease uh, and give you a little bit better idea of, of whether or not the person has truly localized disease or more extensive, um, but also that imaging is going to tie in with our ability to uh, link that to radioactive materials that we can inject and target the cancer more, more precisely. Uh, so as a therapy, uh, that's going to be a big area. And then the other is uh, hopefully we'll start seeing some immunotherapy issues panning out. So we've got a lot of studies looking at some of the immunotherapies that have already been approved for other cancers, combining them with other treatments. We've got vaccines that are are being uh, tested in clinical trials. Um, so hopefully those things will all render render some benefit uh, and positive results here in the future. That, that certainly is exciting. How do you suggest patients access resources for those who have been diagnosed? I mentioned earlier the wonderful World Wide Web and all these types of uh, informational outlets for individuals. What do you suggest for further additional information education for patients? So I think you have to be a little careful where you get your information. Um, certainly, I would stick with places that are, I guess I would say, do this for a living. So for instance, uh, you know, American Cancer Society, um, American Society of Clinical Oncology has a, a website that's actually, uh, the materials are done by physicians, by oncologists. It's called cancer.net. Um, that's a, a good place too. Um, there are sometimes also there's there's some uh, uh, prostate cancer specific uh, organizations that are patient uh, uh, focused uh, that that uh, like the Prostate Cancer Foundation and those are also vetted by by physicians that specialize in that. So I'd go to places that are of that nature. I think uh, just putting in a Google search sometimes you get the wrong place. And then the other I think is um, is also important is um, especially. Uh, individuals who are uh, who, who may perhaps weren't cured with their original treatment and have ongoing treatment is that every time you, know, you should look at clinical trials. Uh, every time there's there's a change in your disease course, rather than jumping into whatever the next easiest available thing is standard of care, take time to uh, look for clinical trials that may be available in your area um, because that sometimes will make a big difference in what new treatment options you may have access to that you otherwise wouldn't have available. So those would be the two main things I would suggest. Well, I know firsthand your patients love you, and even though they may not like the reason they have to come see you, they they certainly trust you and and the clinic that you are at. Um, well, we, we truly are. Uh, uh, I'm, well, I, I would say I'm blessed to be at the clinic I'm at uh, from the standpoint that I, we have such great staff. I have uh, wonderful uh, partners that I can trust to take good care of my patients when I'm away at meetings or on vacation. Uh, we provide uh, the full spectrum of therapies that are available uh, in the region. Uh, that uh, So 
it's kind of a one-stop shopping for for what they have. And we have the really the largest extent of clinical trials available for for patients anywhere in the region. Um, so so for me, it's it's uh, very gratifying to be at the place I'm working at and. Uh, our, I think our nursing staff and all our staff are, are very compassionate. Uh, so certainly a place where I'd recommend my family members to come get their care. And I, I truly enjoy, I, I think I always say that even though patients thank us for the work we do, I always thank them because they truly show us the courage of the human soul. So uh, it's a privilege. Absolutely. Well, Ralph Halke, everyone, thanks so much for joining us. We hope you feel more in the know after hearing this. And if you're looking for a medical oncologist or need help finding a physician, go to nebraskacancer.com and click physicians. And also we are thankful for the physicians at Nebraska Cancer Specialists who have spent time to make this series happen. A Parkville Media Production.